0: Welcome to the Real Triathlon podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon podcast. As promised, we have brought a just riveting episode to you today. You're not going to want to miss it. Be distracted, so put some put the kids to bed, put them back in school. Jackson's here, Robbie Deckard's here, we're going to talk about everything lactate and the secret that has just taken the sport by storm and showing everyone that we've just been doing it wrong for years, even though it's been around forever. Did I mess that up?
1: No, no, that's
0: perfect, yeah. Yeah, we're going to change everyone's lives. <laughs> um, Robbie, uh, you came on. I thought it was probably like 20 episodes ago, but it was maybe less. Um, Jackson's driving a piece of pizza in there, so. Bear- well, you said it was like five episodes ago.
1: And I'm like, no, dude, it was like at least
0: six months ago. Okay, I messed it up then. How, do you remember when it was? It must have been mid. Oh, I was living in Boulder. It was when you were like really getting knuckle deep into the or elbow. Yeah, deep, probably. Into that was elbow the, deep. Shoulder deep.
2: Uh it was spring of this year. Yeah. What six six months ago, seven months
0: ago? Yeah. Yeah, As well. And and I I reminded everyone on our last episode to go check out Robbie's interview because he laid down a lot of amazing data in terms of his rationale into going really hard into testing himself frequently um, during most sessions to figure out how he can optimally train his body because that's the goal right your body's different than mine so you're figuring out what levels and pacing and efforts and eff- levels of recovery you need to be the best ever so to put you completely on the spot yeah i would love it we would love it if you would tell us first how it went lessons learned and so far hey he's still a process it's not like he's retired oh how'd it go oh you didn't do well this year okay well you're done no, that's not what I say. I want to know how it went. How I'm not saying like it's not going to continue, but yeah. how did it go to this point? Lessons learned, and what are things you're going to change moving forward? Yeah. Well, I'll start by it's sort of, it's not over, but
2: it sort of is because I did hire a coach. So the self coaching is over, not because I don't think I don't understand it, but mainly because I do think you need a coach. Um, was it, the
0: level of your involvement just way too high? It was. It was too much time yeah yeah not
2: only are you like writing your sessions then you're doing your sessions and in the middle of the session you're thinking oh if i adjust the session this way maybe it will be a little better so it's just basically if you're awake you're thinking about training okay. which is just tiring after a while um yeah so so done with the self-coaching but simply because it's just too tiring uh if you're into it but yeah i guess to address the bigger question what did i learn um i did a blog post called learning through failing is this the best way and i think it is the best way to learn through failing because if you find success immediately then you sort of shut your mind down and stop thinking about things i think you're like oh this is just how it is and that's it and i'm gonna do this and you are done thinking um so well, locally- real
0: quick i don't think you failed i think failure is when you stop learning and progressing You just made some mistakes. Oh, yeah. I made enough mistakes, not
2: huge mistakes. um, So it sort of derailed the entire process, but just enough little mistakes. I was like, oh, okay, this might be the wrong way because of this. This might be the wrong way because of this. Maybe the right way, it looks a little more like that. Um, And would you like me to just sort of like go through?
0: Give our our listeners a bit of a recap on kind of what your sequence looked like and the intensity and amount of work it took to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So to start off, uh the theory was okay endurance sports are ruled by the maximal lactate steady state or Lt2 or functional threshold power or critical power. There are about seven different names out there that describe pretty much the same thing where you start to create more lactate than you can clear. That's the gist. Fair. Um so whoever can do the most power or run the fastest, just run the fastest at this rate will probably win a triathlon because it's a long race it's pretty much a time trial. There are surges, but it's long enough that the guy who can clear the most likely is going to win the race. Um, so knowing that, that we do four hour races, eight hour races, two hour races, whatever, in Durham sports, uh, we need to get the threshold as high as possible. So I was like, okay, this seems pretty simple. It's driven by the aerobic system. So you need to develop the aerobic system as much as possible. So how do you do that? You do a lot of easy volume, some high intensity, and some well, that, that will increase the aerobic system. And then how do you use that system or increase the threshold, you do threshold work.
0: So essentially you're working the extremes. You're going super easy and you're using that lactate number to define how easy you should go. Yeah. And you're using the high end, what is that LT2? The high end would be well be it, it
2: depends. So the high end can be VO2 max. I guess looking now, at the high end is VO2 max, mm-hmm. and that thought process. Because I was looking at raising the ceiling of mm-hmm. aerobic capacity.
0: Okay, so the ceiling of intensity would be VO2 max power or running speed or swimming speed. So you're cutting out all that gray area of training where you're not really stressing enough to elicit change, and you're kind of du- dueling systems to where you're not working one individual. Well, no. So this is this was my. My
2: mistake in thinking, I was thinking, okay, you never need to go harder than VO2 max to increase your VO2 max this is, what, is what my thinking was, which I'm not sure you do. <laughs> I, I'm not sure you do need to go harder than VO2 max to increase your VO2 max, but I was thinking, okay, I will never go harder than VO2 max, so I'm going to try to bump that ceiling up, try to increase the amount of aerobic respiration you can do. But then the key is to in, like increase how much of that ceiling you can use. So you need to get the threshold up to close to your VO2 max.
0: Yeah, you're trying to adapt your body to work hard. This, let's just set another definition, too, of, or a thought process. It's kind of thought that your VO2 max is maybe more of a genetic mm-hmm. trait. However, it's, it seems like that does fluctuate. It does. So yeah. in theory, even if you're within a percentage you know, five or ten percent above or below where you might be genetically mm. based on training. You're trying to push your body closer to the VO2 max that you can perform at naturally. Do yes. Mm-hmm. What you're
2: trying to do to use a hot topic word is increase fractional utilization of VO2 max. Well, I haven't heard so. Of that <laughs> if your VO2 max is eighty, you want to be able to use seventy. Uh, like milliliters milliliter of oxygen per minute per kilogram okay um so to increase the fractional utilization you do the threshold work so to sum up my my first few months of training it was increase the VO2 max with really just high volume of easy training and then increase how much of that you can use okay now this is where you should think of it in a different way though i was thinking of it from one side but you need to think of it from the other side so i was trying to increase the amount of video to max that i could use by increasing the aerobic capacity however to increase the amount of vh max that you can use you're decreasing your anaerobic capacity so to make this threshold there's not only the aerobic side but there's the anaerobic side yeah and you can view the threshold as as being centered between these two systems so were you doing any anaerobic work um i mean every every intensity has some anaerobic components, but you were not strictly focusing on raising that. No, I was focused on decreasing okay. the anaerobic capacity or uh, otherwise known as the VLA max, maximal rates of lactate production.
0: Okay, so it's- so it, let's, let's just back
1: up for one sec here. So to put it into like practical terms, I remember you saying before Miami that you had done no like high intensity swimming at all except for like a couple fifties like the day before the race or something like that so like no sprints no no fifties really i mean actually going hard like just stuff that's super sustainable kind of almost like that boring pace of like you could do it forever but it's not like totally easy is that pretty much like in terms of people who don't know what that feels like it's kind of like an all-day ish pace but it would be kind of annoying to do it for a long time right
2: it was going like uh the hardest you would go on training was about your six minute pace. So not that hard. You know, like okay, the the fastest speed you're so swimming. In terms maybe, of overall effort, maybe like 70%. Uh yeah,
0: 100%. yeah,
2: 75%. Yeah, yeah. hundred percent being sprinting. Yeah. So never going over 75%. And a lot of the work is at that threshold or MLSS, which is the goal is to get that to awesome seventy-five percent,
0: and that's based uh, off. And you're taking those numbers from just taking doing a hundred, checking your lactate, doing another two to three hundred, et cetera. Yeah, to to find the threshold, I was using. You, it's not a. There's no
2: lactate number that is the threshold. Okay. It used to be thought four millimoles was because they would test untrained people in the lab. But some people were actually seven, and some people were two. Well, why is that? Well, one is some people's aerobic system. The system that uses that lactate is stronger, but the more important aspect is the anaerobic system. Some people's anaerobic system is overdeveloped. So their threshold will be seven millimoles, whereas somebody who has depressed that anaerobic system could be 2.1 millimoles. So over time it became 2.1 millimoles. So that's how I would look at the change in lactate though. Mm -hmm. So I started out at 3.5. So say you're doing 10, I don't know, five, five hundreds in a pool. You do the first one, you're 3.3. You do the second one, you're a little faster, you're 3.4. You do the third one, you're a little faster, you're 4.7. Okay, there's a big jump. You're looking at the change in the
0: lactate, not so, the actual number. So once it spikes, you know that you've created a lot more lactate and you're not clearing it as, prop, as well efficiently. So you should likely drop back to that slow period. down a little bit. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then throughout a
2: session, you will decrease that anaerobic power or capacity. So you can. that's why you can get in the pool and do 3,100s sometimes you can go a little faster on those last five at the same effort that you were doing on the first five, because you haven't gotten, well, you, you've turned your aerobic system on a little more, but mainly you've driven the anaerobic system down a little bit. Okay. So you're producing less lactate throughout that session. Okay. Jackson,
0: anything else on that to clarify?
1: Well, no, I just mean, um, that's pretty clear. Just want to know how that went and what, what it was, like that was a theory, but what actually went wrong? So your your anaerobic, was it your anaerobic that decreased? So you were using a high fraction of it well, but that was because you decreased your total capacity essentially?
2: Uh, yeah, the total capacity, the total aerobic capacity, I'm sure decreased some. I didn't test it right to begin and right at the end, but I, I, I'm sure it went down some. What went down a lot is the anaerobic capacity or the VLA max. So I'm sure it went from it ranges from like 0.1 to 1.1, basically, or 0.15 to 1.15. 1.15 would be like Usain Bolt. You're fully anaerobic. It's producing a ton of lactate, super fast. Fast switch drivers are fully activated. 0.15 would be a dude who's running a 100-mile running race. Okay. Not producing much lactate. It needs to be burning fat, mostly. Okay. So I'm sure i from about 0.6 to 0.2-something. That's guessing. Okay. Um, but the anaerobic capacity drastically decrease whereas the aerobic capacity decreased a little bit so in the beginning that looked good because i started producing a lot less lactate so i was doing threshold workouts at low lactate and high power but if you do that too long and decrease the anaerobic capacity you one slowly decrease your aerobic capacity due to basically overtraining of the mitochondria which power the aerobic system so you trained too high for too often. I trained too medium or too off. Too medium. Too yeah, okay, exactly. Um, and that's that's where I went wrong. Well, where I went wrong was choosing the wrong parents because my VH max just naturally isn't that high. So for a person with a VH max, that's not 80. Rather, for a person with a VH max that is 80, if you decrease that anaerobic capacity a lot, then your aerobic system is strong and it will power you to go fast enough for mm-hmm. an endurance race. But if you do not have that genetic like predisposition to be an aerobic monster then you need to really be careful with the anaerobic system as well because you, you just don't have the uh the fallback of the big aerobic system i think that's probably the biggest takeaway
0: it, training is individual yeah <laughs> to sell it. yeah. It yeah like you need to find out what type of athlete you are yeah do a u2 max test when you're rested in the off season yeah. or you know at the end of your season when you're sharp or a few times in the season. Yeah, ideally. Yeah, it's just, Yeah, to see how the training is going. And then you can further your adjustments based on your data. So it yeah. sounds like that's kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, so the, like you said, the VH
2: max is sort of genetically determined. It will increase when you're a kid. It will increase when you start training more. It will increase if you start training harder. Like, if you take a sedentary person and make them do something exercising, their VH max will increase. But there's a ceiling for everyone. And some people's ceiling is 90 and some is 60. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's not going to change a ton once you've been training for a decade, high volume, high intensity. You've been doing a lot of things to your body. It's not going to change that much. What does change is that anaerobic capacity, and this is what people miss. Um, that is what changes throughout the season. So that is the more important marker that you need to monitor every eight or sixteen weeks or so. Okay, and that's that, a test. that changes. Yeah, that's through, through test. Okay,
0: and so really quick, recycling back to let's say we're april may june you were in europe you were at altitude yeah. you're doing some good training you had some races yeah. where did you find the limiting factor within your training that carried over into a race the limiting factor well looking at like a physiology or
2: the physiology side was the anaerobic capacity i couldn't accelerate enough and and professional racing sometimes you have to surge hard yeah um and you can't just go at your steady pace all day because this like
0: all three sports or just a all car three car.
2: yeah yeah so the first two three races of the year were actually quite good um i had a good swim to start the year doing no no high intensity just driving the anaerobic capacity down um as long as you're there at 200 you're you're not going to blow up because you're not producing enough lactate to, okay. to really blow up um, the biking was good in that first race and second race. And then the running at a PB in the third race. So everything was good and you see, okay, it's going well, I'm going to do more of what I'm doing now, but that's the dangerous part. Mm-hmm. And this brings me to the most important point that I learned, which is training. Isn't about doing something extreme, like driving your anaerobic capacity all the way down or all the way up. It's about balancing it relative to the vo 2 max. So. This, this is the most individual part. What is your VO2 max and what VLA max is going to maximize that VO2 max for your particular race and race style. Um, So somebody who's doing a sprint needs a higher VLA max. Somebody who's doing a sprint and has a bigger VO2 max needs an even higher VLA max because that aerobic system can take that lactate and and needs that lactate to function fully because lactate, people think lactate is a bad thing. Now, lactate is, is very necessary, natural energy. product of it's a byproduct of burning carbohydrate. Yeah, but the good thing about lactate is, or about glycolysis, having two energy systems that we're using. You burn the carbohydrate with the anaerobic system, you create byproducts. One is lactate, well, it's pyruvate, okay. which is turned to lactate. And if you don't have a strong aerobic system, that pyruvate turns to lactate and goes into the blood. Can so that's just, that's what you measure. It's done yeah. and you can't use it because, well, you will use it. It will eventually be turned to glycogen and stored in your liver. But while you're exercising, you can't because now it's left the muscle into the blood because it's too much. Um, but if you have a strong aerobic system, so that big vo 2 max, you need to feed that. And what does the, the aerobic system use? It uses fat, but nobody's burning. Nobody's racing at an intensity where they can only rely on fat. No way. Not, our not even an iron You're burning a ton of carbohydrates yeah. Why That's why people are eating 140 grams of carbs an hour, even during an Ironman, because you burn a lot of carbohydrate. You burn a lot of fat as well, but a lot of carbohydrate, and you don't have enough carbohydrate in your body via glycogen to fuel an eight-hour race. So where are you getting that that secondary source of carbohydrate? Your your glycogen, there's not enough there. You can't take in enough via your Morton or whatever drink you're using. So you need to burn these carbohydrates that you eat, produce the lactate, Lactate is then turned into pyruvate again and used by the aerobic system. This is what I think a lot of people miss. Lactate is a fuel. It's it, like it, a turbocharger. Uh, I mean, it's no better than than the Morton you're taking in. It's no better than your glycogen. We're not sponsored but, by Morton, by the way. I'm not sponsored by Morton either. But there are a few companies that are, have a, <laughs> a good product. Morton is one of them um but if if you are looking for the best best drink mixes like maltodextrin and glucose mixed together two to one ratio that you're going to be fine with that but you got to train your gut but so when you're burning this all this fancy carbohydrate you're taking in you're making another carbohydrate or another thing that can be turned to glucose which is that lactate mm-hmm. so you need to produce enough lactate if you want your aerobic system and our score is 97 98 aerobic if you want that system to power you the best that it can You need to burn a lot of
0: fat. So you need to do a lot of easy, long, slow training. Like slow enough, not like you're kind of breathing hard, but kind of not like it needs to be for sure dedicated slow. Oh, breathing through your nose. You should be able to close your mouth for two hours on the bike.
2: That's If you listen to people who are really smart, (laughs) they're like, oh, you can use all these fancy metrics, but if you can breathe through your nose, you're good. Um, So the talk test, that's a really good thing. If you want to go out for an hour, easy run, just... Put a piece of gum in your mouth. Don't open it. Yeah, you know, just breathe through your nose. It'll feel super, super easy to a lot of people, and
0: that's a sure way to make sure it's easy. And there, there you go. go. Yeah,
2: if you if your coach puts recovery run thirty minutes, don't open your mouth for thirty minutes. Just breathe through your nose, and you're gonna be way better off than if you try to push the pace a little bit or look at your heart rate or look at your. Base. And don't go
0: with Cody Beals because you're not going to be able to run that slow. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. can't do it. He's he's like a four minute per k, no matter what the day. Yeah <laughs> Jackson, you're on mute. You're on mute still. You can't hear us, you can't. there you go. Here, he's come back.' We run a lot at four
1: 45 to five minutes is what he yeah. told me. But every time I run with them, we run at least four thirty, so I don't know if I
0: believe <laughs>
1: But also, um that nose breathing thing works for most people unless you have like a sinus issue like I seem to have um or a only one size of the sinus works properly so i yeah. don't know i might have to go really slow but it's a good theory um for most people i'm sure um and maybe if i took a, a nose blow, you know those you know those uh, water things Maybe if i did that right before i'd be able to do it
0: a neti pot or a flush out or a sinus flush
1: yeah all three of those names are probably good all
0: right um so robbie essentially Spit it out in a very easy way for our folks who have been probably confused by a few things you said, just because of the terms. What did you not do enough of? Well, I didn't do enough of some things, and I did too much of other things. Oh, that's that,
2: that's. I can't give. There's no rule, because everyone is a bit different. So some people are going to need more of one thing. And some people are going to less than others,
0: there. Okay, So based on your physiology- For me, I did too much threshold work. I okay. drove the anaerobic capacity too low. Okay, so you uh, weren't riding your easy stuff often enough? Uh, Well- It sounded like you were doing no, some I like
2: there, there was a lot of easy
0: training. I had no problem
2: going easy, but it was too much threshold. Okay, So, you, you, I mean, you can look at it sort of in, as three intensities, like easy, moderate, and hard, like three domains. I did enough easy. I did too much medium. And not enough hard. Okay. Or I should have just done less medium.
0: More hard and a little bit more infrequent medium. Yeah, sometimes do the
2: hard to so increase that anaerobic capacity, especially if you're overtrained. You got to go very easy or very hard. Yeah. You don't want to touch, you don't want to start changing all your faster drivers, what little of them you have left from doing too much medium over the years. Yeah. You just don't want to make those adapt
0: aerobically anymore. You need to bring back a little bit of lactate production. So, Coach Robbie. Let's say you've got an athlete, you're he's gonna do an Iron Man in eight months. Yeah. How would you structure those months if you could simplify it into some easy to understand blocks? Like in terms of medium, yeah. hard, easy, which months would be kind of segregated for each thing? Okay. Looking generally,
2: uh somebody who's not way overtrained and not super undertrained. This guy has been doing or girl has been in the track on for five or 10 years, been training recently. Okay, comes to you pretty fit. Step number one, no matter who it is, no matter what time of year, test, yeah. test them.
0: Lactate testing.
2: Um, so the gold standard is go to a lab at a hospital or at a sports clinic or something. Tech. You live in Boulder. There's probably five of them or ten of them. Go to a hospital, pay hundred bucks, get a B10 access. Okay, this is going to give you your aerobic capacity.
0: Bike or run, or does it matter most? If you can do one, you can only do
2: one, I suppose. So luckily, as triathletes, if you train to swim, bike, and run quite a bit, your bike and run via to max will be be similar. So yeah, I would say do your better sport. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, But ideally you do one for the bike, one for the run in the lab. So that's going to give you one side, your aerobic capacity. Then I would do a VLA max test. There's not a lot in the U.S. Some European coaches are coming to the U.S. to start testing facilities to do this because I can't think of one off the top of my head.
0: And that's one where you test blood lactate. That you
2: need blood lactate for. Okay. Um, So you would do an all out test, see what the blood lactate number is. Some really very smart people have algorithms that give you the actual VLA max value, or you can look at how fast did you go? Was it slow over the past? And what is that lactate value? Was it seven or was it 14? So you're looking relative to yourself. And then you can monitor if that goes up or down. So step number one, test. So bring it back to the
0: the um, training. Real quick, the test I did, tell me about the sequence I did real quick. I'll be pretty quick on it. Um. It was also by a guy named Robbie, who's been doing lactate testing for for years and years. It was essentially a quick, easy baseline, just riding super easy. We kind of knew my FTP. Mm -hmm. So we did it all based off FTP and heart rate. And so I would do these two minute tests with different rest points Mm -hmm. between the tests to show the buffering. And then we would do some like five minute and eight minute tests at certain power thresholds. And then, then we just did an all-out one at the end for like three minutes to see what it would be. Uh. And so we would always look at how much it rise and then we would test immediately after without moving yeah. to see, because your body starts to clear lactate once it starts moving. Um, so is that pretty pretty good sequence to see the, the buffering system as well, to see how much you clear lactate after you've generated a lot of it? Um, so, I would
2: say, I, I don't think it really matters how much lactate you're clearing at rest because you're never resting in a race. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the exact protocol that you did, but if you want to look at how much lactate you're clearing, you can do a step test. That's or, kind of what we did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the only problem of looking at the actual blood lactate is you don't know how much you're clearing because you don't know the capacity. Mm-hmm. So that's why... You don't know you don't know how much you're clearing because you don't know how much you're producing so you need to so you need to, to know you need to be able to max and the brother of that the vla max because lab, l-
1: on a freaking huge tangent here and <laughs> now he's got to answer another fucking question it's totally different
0: yeah well,
1: not, well it's different it's but all you, relative you, you
2: need to you need to understand it to understand the testing so the, the, the first thing you do for this athlete is test. You want to test how big their aerobic system is and how big their anaerobic system is, essentially. Okay. Because that will tell you, that will give you critical insight into what is this lactate number I'm looking at right now when I'm exercising best because you both clear lactate and you produce lactate. So you need to know how much am I producing relatively and how much am I taking out. So I have a
1: question about that. You test those two things and you're in your VO2 max, you're looking at milliliters per kilogram body weight or whatever and then the vla max is going to give you a lactate number but are, is what you're looking at like the actual power outputs and how close those are
2: or it's your paces if you're running the, the vla max is a rate just like the vo2 max is right so vo2 max is a rate of oxygen consumption how right. many per minute per yeah. minute yeah per kilogram of body weight so weight effects of some then the VLA max is also a rate. It's a rate of lactate production. So it's millimoles per minute instead of liters per minute. Okay. So so you're looking, what is my maximal rate that I can oxidize things with the aerosol? Yeah, they clear it. Yeah. Okay. And what's my maximal rate that I can produce lactate? So this is going to t- give you a lot of insight into what is this middle system, not middle system, this middle value, which is your threshold. How, why is this the way it is? Is it because my anaerobic system is very low or is it because my aerobic system is very high or what combination? So you, you can look at it like a teeter-totter as yeah. the anaerobic system Max increases, your threshold will go with it, assuming the VLMAX doesn't change. If yeah. VLMAX decreases, it will push your threshold higher. So these are, these are not opposite ends of the teeter-totter, assuming yeah. the system stays the same. So there's... In, a lot of inverse relationships. Yeah, well, yeah, direct with the aerobic system, the inverse with the anaerobic system. Okay, And then, but the thing is, you're never only changing one thing. So when
0: you train, you're affecting everything to some extent. Which makes it quite difficult for anybody who's not like really into this to understand any of it. Well, yeah, just to understand it, but it also makes it difficult to actually train. All, all this stuff,
2: if you're training 10 hours a week, don't worry about the about VLMX, like lower it. Yeah. Like, you're not training enough to increase the aerobic system. Don't do sprinting and do threshold and do easy. Like, just don't, don't increase your anaerobic system. You're not training enough to warrant increasing your anaerobic system. What about
0: all the theories behind hits training for folks?
2: If you want to do poorly
0: out of traffic, i do that. Okay. <laughs> all right. There you go. You um, take hit training? Hits. Yeah. High intensity sessions for you know adults who have busy lives. Well, I mean I mean that's a general
1: term because technically high intensity intervals is still like three
0: minute reps and stuff. Yeah, so they're not like 30 second maximum sprints.
2: Okay, yeah. I I would say find your threshold, do a ramp test. It's the most simple, easy to understand. You don't even need to understand just do a power test, power threshold test something. It's gonna get you in the ballpark if you're training 10-12
0: hours a week. Like you don't need to be exact here. Yeah. So power and heart rate working together a coach can look at that and be like i've got good data to train you effectively For an atrium athlete is not training that much i would say yes yeah for a pro that's not acceptable yeah you need more yeah yeah so i'm
1: not being the norwegians i haven't tested my lactate yet
2: well you don't have to test the lactate go to the track and run a 400 all like you can do things without lactate are you really how how is that speed compared to your 5K time or mile time like if it's not slower your VLMAX is probably pretty low, and you can compare this to yourself. You don't maybe you don't need the actual VLA max number that you get from the software, but compare it to yourself. So now, two months later, after you've done a training block trying to do one specific thing, go to another 400 max on the test. Did you get five seconds faster, like quite a bit? Hey, you probably increased your VLMAX. Did you not change at all, or did you get slower? Like if you get slower, then Some, maybe home. maybe you lowered
0: too much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. just testing without the blood data too to show just based off simple performance and you know
2: tests. Yeah, at the end of the day, like it's nice to have lactate and go to a lab and post on Instagram that you're doing BHM access and all this these fancy things. But if you understand what's happening, you can get pretty close. You don't have to be the Norwegians testing their urine on every morphine. Like that's insane. But winning an Olympic gold medal is also fucking insane. And winning Kona and 713 will like that's those are insane things. But you don't need to do these insane things to get pretty close and be a, a high level atrium athlete or even a pro athlete.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, as long as you understand what's happening and what, how, what you're doing is affecting your body.
0: And it seems like the 80-20 rule kind of still fits in with all this. Yes. Yeah.
2: I mean, I would say, but throughout the season, maybe in the beginning of the season, it's 95-5. Yeah. So maybe you're doing 95% pretty easy, like definitely under LT1, if you want to use some marker, 95% of your training is through your nose. 5% is going hard. So Super. go to the pool and do, it doesn't have to be a ton. Do three sets of 450s in the pool, max effort with double the rest. So say you're swimming 35, do a minute. So rest. full
0: recovery. Full
2: recovery. To 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 hit that anaerobic system or to, to stimulate it, you need to recover passively between yeah. reps. So that's early season. So, okay. Now I just I'm essentially brought it back to our example of the athletes training for the Ironman. Yeah. So you're testing and you're saying, oh, where is this person's fitness or, or, or what is their fitness and why is it this way? So what is the threshold and what are the capacities making this threshold this way? Yeah. So now you see, okay, let's let's give a, an average example. This person probably trained too hard and too much last year for their last race. So their VLA max is low and their VO2 max is okay. And the threshold is good relative to their vo2 max so they're using a pretty good percentage of that vo2 max for race base well you know you're not going to make them that much better and you have eight months until the race so don't start with threshold work that's utilization In the words of bob bowerman the coach of michael phelps you can do capacity training or utilization you can increase your capacity that's one type of training or you can increase the utilization of that capacity that's another type of training so right now you see both capacities are a little too low. VLA max, the VO2 max. So what do you need to do? Capacity training. That's that 95 training. So this athlete needs to go relative to their VO2 max. And you can calculate what is the right stimulus for the mitochondria based off their VO2 max. Because that is the ceiling of their aerobic respiration. at that time. So the bigger the VO2 max, the more training you need to do. That's why Sam Long trains 30 hours a week. I'm sure he has big VO2 max in asked ass. But I'm, I bet you it is. Quite good. Um, so, relative to the VO two max, which you know and you've tested in the lab, now you need to do a lot of easy training. That's that's sort of filling your cup. <laughs> like your cup is mainly filled with easy training. You don't want to overflow the cup, so fill it mainly with easy training and a little bit of hard training. Like hard, I mean sprinting, really, like eight by thirty seconds sprinting on the bike, not VO two max sprinting. Like like, like, like the thing bad. that triathletes never do. Yeah, get like, out of the saddle and like be tasting blood at the end of that last eight, eight by 30 seconds with full recovery. Don't make it, it should be really fucking hard, but you shouldn't be doing these eight by 30 seconds in eight nights yeah. do it over the course of an hour. Like you want to get max power for 30 seconds and recover as much as you need to and drink carbohydrates. Yeah. That's what's fueling these. It's not fat 0% bad during that. It's all carbohydrate. So for that capacity phase of the season, this is what people talk about with periodization. This is, this is like a type of periodization. So for this capacity building phase, you're going to look, you're going to, your training is going to be on either end of the spectrum, a lot of easy and some super sprinting. And, uh, who is this? Who's the guy? Steve Magnus. He wrote a book called the science of running. He talks about the, in his words, it's like, uh, general to specific throughout the season. So now that 95, five is going to look more like 90, 10. Okay. We're getting halfway to the race. Now that easy stuff is going to get a little faster because you're fitter. You can burn more fat go a little faster. But sprinting is going to not be sprinting anymore. And you're Maybe. still
0: taking a lot of carbs during the easy stuff. For sure. But the
2: number one mistake that I see people do is not eating enough carbohydrates. Yeah. Like, it will lower your max if you don't eat carbohydrates. So if you're in a capacity-building phase where you, it's okay to pump the max up, like, that's the wrong thing to do for the race. But it's the right thing to do for this time of the year, yeah. building capacity. Eat carbohydrates. Like like I said, those 8 by 30 seconds, that's powered by 100% carbohydrate. Like, Absolutely. You need it. Now, during your session, after your session, don't eat haribo at 2 p.m. when you have a workout for two hours and you're not gonna work out for another two hours because that's gonna make you diabetic. Probably not <laughs> if you're an athlete, but you know it's not it's not good for you. But during your session, eat the carbohydrates after a session, see the carbohydrates. Don't wake up and do a three-hour like right after having no breakfast. Eat some toast, throw me on before. Like, something, something yeah, small. Something, something. You need to be burning these carbohydrates in this capacity building phase. You will still burn fat. Some people say, oh, but I'm doing this three-hour easy endurance ride. I want to burn fat. Like, uh, I need Why? to increase my fat burning system. Well, you are increasing. You're like, th- that is a, an important goal. Like, you're not going to do an Ironman if you don't burn
0: fat well. Well, I mean, no matter what, the training by itself would teach your body to do that. Exactly. exactly. You're an endurance athlete. By nature of your sport, you're going to train a decent bit, at least,
2: even if you're an Asian athlete who's a full time job and two kids. Like, you're going to train a decent bit, you know, mm-hmm. 10 times more than the average population, 20 times more. You're going to increase your fat burning capabilities. Now, don't eat. 140 grams carbs during these easy rides but maybe like 60 and if you go to a lab they'll give you a beautiful chart that shows you exactly how many carbs you're burning at every intensity yeah um so eat that amount of carbs if you burn 60 grams of carbs at 160 watts eat 60 grams of carbs on your three-hour easy ride you will still increase your fat burning but then moving through the season now that 95.5 becomes maybe 90.10 so now your, your easy workouts are getting a little faster, not fast, but a little faster than the super easy. And your sprinting is going to more moderate, uh, maybe via 2 max intervals. So now that's still capacity work. vo 2 max, you're trying to increase your VO 2 max. As the race approaches, now you're going to look more like that 80-20. Uh, maybe you're doing 20% threshold work or race pace. So like that general to specific, if you're doing Ironman, maybe that 20% is now Ironman race pace, um, but But I think this is what people miss with their seasons. January, you're motivated. So you go do some Ironman, some race-based sessions um, when you should be doing the the 95.5, not touching the Ironman.
1: So basically you do less intensity, but at a higher intensity first, and then you work the amount of intensity you do up, but you decrease it a little bit in terms of how hard it is basically, in, in absolute layman's terms.
2: Yeah, exactly. With that person who's starting with the low VLA max. Now, if you were a sprinter right. and, and you start your training with a, a high VLA max already, it doesn't make sense to increase that VLA Max even more. Your your capacity is high on the VLA side. So now focus on the aerobic side. Don't do the sprints. That that anaerobic system is already developed enough. So if you're a guy who's like, oh, I've lifted weights for three years, now I want to get into Sarah on, well, you've been doing like sprints essentially for three years in the gym, like the extreme form of sprinting, which is lifting weights. Like that's purely fast switch fibers. So So don't give that guy the same advice that you gave the guy who's been doing marathons for five years, because their physiology is different. They've shifted their muscle fibers over the years. And the dude who's doing marathons probably was born with more fast switch fibers than the guy who's doing weights because people do what they like. So the guy who's naturally fast switch dominant is probably going to develop like an affinity for weightlifting over the years. So that's why he's in the gym um so that's why the testing is critical all this no like to make a good plan you have to know where you are to get where you want to go you need to know where you are right now and that's where the testing comes in yeah. so so whatever test you're doing you need to know sort of how strong are those capacities um not just where is my fitness knowing where your fitness is is great i have a, I have a um uh
1: i guess this isn't this isn't an argument this is more of like an a, a way to even maybe simplify it is like, you could almost ask people, like, for example, you get your average Joe who wants to start becoming a athlete. you just ask him, well, what have you done for athletics? And if he says, like you said, oh, I've been a weightlifter, well, then you can, and he's like, oh, yeah, I could bench press 300 pounds. Well, you know that his VO2 max is probably really low and his VLA max is really good. Is that a pretty fair assumption?
2: Uh, you know that his max would be high, but you don't know the VO max. That's why you guys, you guys like Wildman Art. You like, don't
1: know. You don't know. But if he's like, oh, I can't hardly run around the block,
0: well, then you might know.
2: Yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, I haven't ran in the last three. years. Yeah. Okay. You need to do some endurance training uh, to increase yeah. max. So, yeah, that would be a completely fair assumption, uh, I think. Too.
1: Okay. So now it's, you know, like generalizing people even more, looking at um, someone Same. who let's say they're even a pro triathlete who's like super fit, obviously doing well. And they're like, their, their weakness is like, they can't seem to get into the group on the swim start. Cause they don't have high end speed. Like, let's just say Lionel, for example, because I think he would, he would agree. He's not a good sprinter. Where, where would you categorize him? I mean, and he's even put some of his stuff out there, so it's probably easy enough to find, but what would you guess he would be at in terms of these numbers? Not, not exact numbers, but generally.
2: Yeah, I'm sure his O two max is good just because of his power on the bike and the speed of running like that. This dis-
0: sustained power on the bike.
2: Yeah. His utilization of his O two max is great. So his VLA max is low. In um, the pool, you can imagine if he's been swimming for a while. His O two max is still probably pretty good, but I mean, swimming is tough because the, the technical aspect is so big. So to, to make it uh, like even more clear, say you have somebody with good technique in the pool. And they say their get out speed is bad with that's their VLM. Like Actually. me. <laughs> yeah. So, so you have Nick, his technique, he looks beautiful in the pool. I just saw it this morning while I was thrashing around the lane next. So, Thank you. um, <laughs> but if, if his get out speed isn't good, like, you know, the technique is an limiter. Okay. That's probably 99% of people's lenders swim technique, but if the technique is good and you have poor get out speed, you probably do too much middle ground. So you would do sets like 20 by hundred threshold with eight seconds rest maybe what we did this morning Yeah, <laughs> but but sets like that will i mean that's a huge stimulus to drive the vla max down so you're going to hold a good pace i mean it was like a good pace this morning in the pool for 2100s with, with little rest like you can do those workouts but you say okay now let's hit a 50 max like full recovery we can dive whatever it's everything you got it's not going to be that much faster no. than your threshold pace that you can do 2100s on yeah i've
0: been you know, if I was to do an all-out 100, it's, like, right in, in
1: meters, it's probably, like, 105s sort or of right around there. And if I No. Do- Are you fucking kidding me, dude? You could do an all-out 100 in under a minute in meters. All-out. Like, we're talking a sprint.
0: I don't – I think I like, still be –
1: watched like- you do 105s in a workout, the, like, three weeks ago.
0: No, but I don't, did one oh five in a workout. I'm just saying when I sprint – it's not that much faster so it's proving the point like i can't i can't jump to a sprint speed and get that get out speed just not there so i need to train the system well yeah
1: but when you're if you're talking about like an actual swimmer who's a good a sprinter uh, they could do 100 in like 50 seconds but then they might be the same speed as you in a 1500
2: yeah exactly
1: like that's the that's the range of difference like it it really comes into like it really like a light bulb goes off when you actually swim with someone who's like, Oh yeah, I used to be a sprinter. Even it used to be, and they can still do a 50 in like 23 seconds. Yeah. Yet You're faster than them on anything endurance. And that's like most pro athletes, is that's all of us. We're like so aerobically fit. And then our sprinting is just garbage.
2: Yeah. Well, you go to any master set, what happens? You warm up for a few hundred and then it's like threshold reps. Essentially. If you tested everyone's lactate, they'd be like close to threshold. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's, the perfect stimulus the only way you can make it a better vla max lowering stimulus is that paddles because what's happening there is you're changing the muscle recruitment so you're increasing the force which is more relaxing uh, yeah. uh well the muscle uh, recruitment uh it's it's what determines the muscle recruitment is the force of so like a low cadence cycling at if you're oh, running 200 watts well y- no, no, actually, it's it's the opposite.
0: I you said it was lower last time.
2: I noticed that myself, but it doesn't make sense actually physiologically. If you're riding a 200 watts at a 60 rpm, that's a high force, so you're going to recruit fast twitch muscle fibers. If you're riding at 200 watts at 90 rpm, that's a lower force on your muscles, so you're going to recruit slow twitch muscle fibers. Okay. It's not the actual power per se that determines the muscle recruitment; it's the force. Okay. Um, so if you, to get back to the point if you put paddles on it's a high force so paddles threshold is going to lower the vla maxes as, as much as possible
0: okay and that's a, that's a good goal lower the vla
2: max where are you starting
0: yeah i mean if you're if your vla max is not low enough then you want you want to pull, then you want, you want to do that. yeah you want to build more space between the pole and the seal
2: exactly okay exactly
0: that's what we it always confused me when I'm like, well you want to lower max, but that sounds like a bad thing but
2: it's not well anybody who says you want to do this and they don't know your current physiology like take it with a huge grain of salt so yeah. They don't know what your current physiology
1: okay all right i got it i got another question for you because and that, and that applies to me so so in races like i can actually produce more average power if the if the like average power, if it's a variable course, like if I'm pushing like 380, sometimes 400, and then all of a sudden I'm at like 250 for a bit. And you know what I mean? Like these championship style races, I always have my best average power. If I'm on like a steady, continuous effort, I have a much harder time producing even average power. And then once you take normalized into account, it's like way better for the variable efforts. So like, do you think that has something to do with VLA max not being in the right spot? Or do you think that's just, recruiting muscles a bit differently if you're like sitting up on hills and stuff
2: uh yeah maybe recruiting muscles differently and then how's your cadence during those races are you when the group accelerates are you like dropping it down two gears to a lower cadence
1: no, I, mean, I think my cadence is probably pretty consistent
2: same yeah yeah. I, I i would say your vla max your coach does a good job then like when at these championship races yeah. you know those accelerations are going to happen so yeah. maybe if you know you're doing an Ironman man on a flat course where you're going to be off the front like maybe then you would want to lower your VLA max a little more. So do some high torque intervals for four weeks before the race. But I mean, yeah, I, that's a good problem to have. I think the fact that you're able to do higher power in the championship race. The point. Like, yeah. I,
1: like it also could just be a, my, my taper and my periodization is geared to that race. So maybe, maybe it's not yeah. that it's variable. Maybe it's just that I'm ready to go for that race.
0: Yeah. 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 You've gotten to that point. Training the right systems to where you can just bitch slap Magnus Kild. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't go that far. No, we would never do that to him
1: on purpose. No. Um, But the one thing I was going to ask you before this podcast, and then we started it because I wanted to ask you on the podcast was so that the How They Train podcast just released like a four and a half hour episode. I was like, Robbie's definitely got to be all over this because it's the Alexander Wolfgang. Guy that yeah. that coaches Norwegians, um, so apparently in that, maybe it wasn't in that one, but another one, he said that by um, like since he started coaching the Norwegians, basically they've increased their FTP by fifteen percent, so like fifty watts or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he said he did it by like um intensity control, so basically this like actually knowing what intensity zone you're in doing these measurements and stuff i mean obviously that's an oversimplification and they're training super hard but to take pro athletes who are like world-class level and apparently increase their ftp by 50 watts um they must have been training like at the totally wrong zones before that like that's the only way that could happen i would assume
2: uh, yeah. So what I imagine happened or, or what I know through the grapevine happened is their VO two max increased considerably over the years. So Christian started out, whatever. I mean, this is what you hear from somebody who knows somebody, but Christian started out in the eighties and now he's like nine or, you know, like it, his VO two max went up eight points or 10 points or something like that. So what did I say the earlier, like the way to increase your threshold, you have two ways. One is to decrease the VLA max, which is like a short-term thing. And the others to increase the VO2 VO max, which is the long term thing. So, if you, this is interesting. I was talking about P, ain't measuring your P every morning. So, Olaf Alexander did that with Christian going to the Olympics. Um, and why would you do that? You do that to measure how much energy the person is expending aerobically. So, Christian exercises aerobically and he knows his VO2 max. So, now because of the work of some physiologists, you know how many kilojoules. In a day or in a week or however you want to do it, you need to burn to maximize the stimulus for that aerobic system, but not overdo it for that aerobic system. So to increase that VO2 max as much as possible, you want to do as much work as possible, but not more than that. So by intensity control, you're saying, okay, athlete, like we're going to measure your intensity or, you know, know the intensity to your body all the time. So we can then measure, well, how many kilojoules are you doing? And are you doing it at the right intensity? So you can do you can do 10 kilojoules of work by walking to the kitchen or you can sprint somewhere. Obviously, the sprinting is going to burn faster. So you exercise for less time but, and burn the same amount of energy. But it's not the same workout. It affects your body differently, the, the short sprint versus the walking or, or slow jogging. So what they're doing is measure, making sure, okay, they're exercising at the right intensity with lactate and lab tests, like looking at the carbohydrate and fat, and they know how, much, how many kilojoules do we need to burn. So if you know how big your cup is and what intensity, if you know how big your cup is and what to fill it with exactly, then you're maximizing adaptations. And what
0: to fill it is the training stimulus, right?
2: Yeah, how, how hard are you training? Okay. The cup is like how much can you train and what fills the cup is how are you training? Okay. So if you know how big the cup is and exactly what you should fill it with or what you are filling it with currently, the yeah. intensity you're doing, then you're maximizing. And the goal is to fill that cup, but don't let the water overflow. So intensity controls, intensity control, make sure you don't overfill that cup, so which is what just, most people do. So they're just
0: on a very specific level, measuring everything about that human body on the daily yeah. to make sure the training is specific for that day based on the days previously.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I think they were, this is well beyond me, but like it was some sort of isotope that Christian would drink and then you pee it out and you measure how much is left in the air or something like that. I don't know. It's science stuff that smart okay. people know, but it measures what it tells you is how, how many kilojoules did he burn?
0: Okay.
2: So, cause it's hard to measure on something. You don't have a power meter.
1: Okay. So just to add to the analogy, the cup itself to get that, the other thing, and probably the main reason why the Norwegians are so good and pro athletes perform better than age group athletes, typically is cause they their cup is bigger. They can actually train and absorb more yeah. and that's mostly due to recovery which is the other thing that people don't really put a lot of attention into. Um, and then even the Norwegians will say like, you just got to sleep and eat properly. And that's like the most important thing for recovery. Don't worry about freaking ice baths or any of that stuff. Just if you can get that cup as big as possible, that's going to be probably more important than anything really, I, especially with age groupers, because most of them just don't recover that well, which isn't necessarily their fault, but you know, because life gets in the way you can't take a nap every day. Like, nick started doing three days ago and uh you can't necessarily do the pro if you can put things if you can put energy into your recovery like time energy then that's probably going to be then you got your cup is bigger and then you can fill it with more training basically
2: yeah the, the bigger the cup gets the more you can put in which makes it grow bigger
0: there we go yep there you go so the i think the simplest term takeaway is from this everything we've talked about just to summarize um Probably just sticks to the fact that you got to know where you're starting from. So VO2 max test, and possibly if you have access or know somebody, you can do that VLA max test, right? Or the yeah. the lactate yeah. Test, test, yeah and i just am putting a blog post out
2: tomorrow or the next day on at home test for the next test. We'll
0: put we'll put where you can find Robbie's blogs in the show notes so you can check out a little bit more of his literature and probably way more in depth than what we were able to do today. Um so you you start off with those two tips and then your coach is should be the one driving this if you're competitive and want to take this sport to another level or whatever your sport is. So your coach should be able to have ass- access unless you're just you know being coached so you can hang out with people and that's different and have fun with that. That's great. We we need those people. Um, And then what happens is you adjust your training appropriately based on the season. And that's kind of what we do anyways, but this is just way more specific. And like, I, I probably need to pay attention to some of this stuff. Um, My last VO2 max test was probably well over a year and a half ago. So I need to do that again. And that could help me determine a little bit more of my swim strategy so i can finally have that breakout speed in the open water that i do in the pool so those are the things i'm going to think about jackson what are you going to think about
1: uh, i'm trying to win daytona in like a week or whatever what are you going to do and then i'll and then i'll start thinking about doing more testing uh in the off season slash early next season but yeah VOT max tests i've only done one of those ever and it was about 10 years ago so I have no clue what my current VO2 max is. That's needless to say.
0: So, no matter what, we know that you've been pretty much doing the right stuff because you train really, really hard often enough, but not too often to where you are probably training more effectively your VO2 tolerance or the percentage of your VO2 max. And you definitely go easy as shit on your easy stuff. So, you're good at that too.
1: Well, yeah, I've developed, I've developed a decent ability to know how easy to go i think um but also knowing the difference between like active recovery and then like easy endurance and then kind of from there everything's is more of like an actual workout i consider it but yeah i can go pretty easy i can tell you that that's for sure
0: and then robbie maybe that's
1: that's a secret i just riding at 150 watts all the time that's all i need
0: we'll take naps after eating 16 eggs a day and bread we'll do it
1: me or Robbie? Oh yeah, I do that. I take nap every day almost, so that's probably the other big piece.
0: But Robbie, what are you going to do different now? In, in as short as you can make it, and as simple as you can make it. I hired a coach two months ago, so I can stop thinking about this. Okay. <laughs> every every minute I'm
2: away. <laughs> okay, um, good good call. Yeah, no, definitely going back to the approach of look at your capacities to determine sort of where you are and where you need to go. Um, without you know, whether you're doing a lab test or you know. Uh, more at home style of the test.
0: So uh, at least do the tests to start to know better where you are. So we'll check in with Robbie again in another six months and see how it's been going with his coach. Yeah. And see if uh he's a world champion. Uh, not quite there's a Marshall you got it. <laughs> um, anything anything final thoughts there, Jackson.
1: Oh man, I just it's cool to be uh you know have you on in different parts of this this, uh, learning experience. And as you keep learning, I'm sure you're going to keep getting, you're going to, you know, have a really good season next year. I can feel it, but you're going to be racing early season. Where can people, um, I, I know you're talking about racing early season, where are you racing next and where can people kind of see you at your next event?
2: Yeah. yeah. Maybe, uh, if you want to travel to Pucon, Chile, you can see me
0: in person race there. Uh, I might do that one. Yeah.
2: (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah unless uh you yeah, know well, maybe pucon then we'll see after that but st george 70.3 north american champs the first big one so st george is a great place we're here right now i'm here it's awesome for training he it's
0: hates really the compared. traffic and the roads and the food so it, otherwise he hates it yeah just a ton of traffic yeah
1: i love it for racing otherwise
0: yeah it's okay really it's right all right forgot um jackson thanks for not eating so much food on this we can't hear you talk appreciate it and uh, we'll uh, talk to you when we see you next time, whenever that is. All right, <laughs> Robbie, thanks for coming on, buddy. We appreciate all your. I mean, I don't understand, understand a lot of it, but I was nodding my head like I did, so hopefully, you bought it. I sort of blacked out, I have no idea what I said, <laughs> but I hope it made sense. Um, next episode, we're going to talk about jackson's facial hair and if he should he should race with it or race without i go with it
1: always without it so you're more arrow. come on
0: yeah but does facial hair affect your vla that's the next topic anyway for now <laughs> peace <laughs> out